guys, tonight I'm, I'm going to be sharing a lot of my story with you. Um, some of you do know me, you know a little bit about my story as well. And Amo asked me to um, sort of do the introduction to a series that you guys will be doing on church at home and, and what that could look like. And, and that's really my story is I, I grew up in church, in church, and I grew up in church at home as well. Home was church and church was home for me. Grew up as a, as a pastor's kid and uh, loved every moment of it, loved the highs and the lows of that, loved the different churches in which we were. I've come full circle. I'm pastoring, as Lucas said, I'm pastoring in, in Summers of the West, which was my dad's first, first um, sort of town in which he pastored as well. And, and from there, we moved to Walfish Bay in Namibia. Back then, it was called Southwest Africa, and my dad was a minister there. Then we moved to Gaddis, a little town there in Makwaland. I don't know, is there anybody from Gaddis? Maybe I was. Anybody close to Gaddis? Does anybody know where Gaddis is? You know, right? Ah, yes, one or two hands. Springboks, probably the, the closest that you'll remember. But um, I remember traveling in, in Gaddis with my dad as he would go and he would do house visits. And he would go to places like Kamiskruen and Subatsfontein and little faraway places like that. And it and it would be such a special time for me traveling with him, going to visit people. And I wish I could say that I, I loved going with him because I had such a, a heart for the people. But I loved going with him because I knew that once I would get to where the people were, I would always come away with a little something. There would be a little gift, a piece of chocolate cake or maybe a one rand coin, which back in the day was a lot, those, those big round ones, and you could buy a lot of stuff with it. And so initially my introduction into ministry and wanting to do house visits wasn't that noble. It was just simply I wanted to be spoiled because I knew there were some, some perks to ministry, traveling, traveling with my dad. And so we were in Gaddis when the Lord led my folks to, to leave the church, which we were part of at that stage, and go to Boxburg. You guys know where Boxburg is? All right, Boxburg, yes. So we went to Boxburg in 1985. Does anybody remember 1985? few of you remember 1985, all right? Things were a little bit different to, to what they are now. Boxburg was a little bit different to what it is right now, all right? It was an interesting place. I think that's where um, Kali Knutsen knocked out one of, uh, I think he knocked out uh, Leon Schuster, I think, who pranked him and say, get there by the Boxburg Lake. You guys can go on YouTube then, all right? The, the, the generation that doesn't know what I'm talking about. But... <laughs> <laughs> it was there that we experienced so much of, of God. You know, we, we, we left this very structured environment, which we were a part of, a, a church that really provided my, my mom and dad with a, a lovely home, a secure, sort of secure income. And we left that. And we went to this little place where we moved into a granny flat, the back of somebody, somebody's house. So it was myself and my two brothers, and I have the privilege of having one of my brothers here, uh, we still did small group training yesterday in Summers of the West. I thought, man, I'm going to leave there at about six. I don't want to drive by myself. And so I asked my brother if he could join me. And so I brought my own chauffeur. He's driving me around. And so it's wonderful having my, my brother here. And, and just amazing to, to journey together. And, 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 and being in Boxburg, remember that we in that small little house. It wasn't really a house. It was just a one-bedroom little place. Three sons, my mom and dad. And the lady who sort of looked after us while my mom and dad was um, busy uh, with Bible school and things. We were living in that small, tiny little place. And I remember how it was so small. It was so outside of our comfort zone. 
but it's probably the most special time that we had. Because God's word came alive. That's where we were really exposed to more and more of God's spirit. And, and, and we survived Boxburg, praise God. The, the mind dumps and the Andristrier Nicht and all of those guys. We survived them. And, and my dad went to plant a church in Beaufort West. And from there, we went to Uppington. And, and I experienced a lot of beauty in church. I saw a lot of incredible things that really shaped my life and, and shaped me into the person that I am today. And, and I want to share some of the, the keys I believe the Lord has, has shown me over the years to really inspire you to not settle for having a wonderful experience like we had right now in God's presence, God speaking to us, us sensing His call, us responding to Him, that that will never just be something which we do on a Sunday, but it will be something that infiltrates our whole lives, permeates everything that we do, and especially finds its manifestation at home, finds its manifestation there where you, where you live with your brothers and sisters, with your grandpa and grandma maybe, or mom and dad, or just with one of the parents. It doesn't matter what context you're finding yourselves in, that what we're experiencing here doesn't have to be the exception. It can be our reality, there where we are living. Because that is really what the world needs. The world needs a reality of the gospel, needs a reality of life in Christ, needs a reality of people who know him in spirit and in truth. And so I'm going to take you to Psalm 127 verse, verse 1 and, and read a few verses for you, which I will use as the foundation for us this evening. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. And I feel some of you guys need to take that verse that says he gives his beloved sleep. Take it. Claim it for yourself. Speak it over yourself. Right? When you go to bed, say, I'm God's beloved, and sleep is a gift from him. Right? Speak it over yourself because some of you are battling to sleep. Don't just settle for it. Take God's word and prophesy it over yourself. Right? But verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the family, unless the Lord builds the church, Unless the Lord builds the wealth creation company, unless the Lord builds the skills development, the orphanage, the hospital, unless the Lord builds, then those who build and try to do things will do so in vain. And unless God is intimately involved in what we do, unless He's our umbilical cord, unless we breathe Him, unless we are dependent upon His Word like the very bread that we need to live by every day, somewhere down the line, things will unravel doesn't matter how wonderfully you try to build it by which books and by which podcasts and which wonderful systems and structures you try and put in place. Unless God is the center, unless he's the, 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 the crux of everything, it unravels. Read the internet, check out books. There are men of God, ministries, businessmen, governments that have started out well and somewhere down the line they move away from a place of hunger that place of desperation. And that's why I love what is happening in this church, that you are still desperate for God. You've got so many people coming through these doors and you've got so many beautiful ministries going on here, but you are still pressing in as if you've just gotten started. You're still pushing into God's presence and crying out to Him to touch you and move in your midst as if you are not guaranteed tomorrow. May it always be like that. May we never get to a comfort zone. 
May we never get to a place of complacency. May we remain hungry for Him because the future of your family, the future of your business, the future of your marriage, the future of your calling does not depend upon your degrees, doesn't depend on your connectedness, doesn't depend on your expertise or on your charisma. It depends upon your dependency upon God. Your dependency upon God is your greatest gift to this world. Not your eloquence, not your cultural background, not your language, not your gender. Your dependency upon God is your greatest gift to this world. God is still looking to move and work through men and women who know how desperately they need Him. Who know that unless He's in the house building with us, unless He's watching with us, this whole thing will come crashing down. But also have the confidence in the fact that because he's with us, hallelujah, because he's watching with us, we can be bold. We can be confident. We, we can look the world in the eye and say like Teach Smith said last week, this world is in a mess and I've never been more excited. Things are dark and crazy, but I'm excited. Why? Because God is with me. And I want to speak hope over you tonight where there's so many statistics telling us that marriages are failing faster than ever before. Um, people are suffering from empty nest syndrome and then they get divorced at 20, 30, 40 years of marriage. Your marriage doesn't have to end up that way. You don't have to be passionate about Jesus now and then hit a phase in your life. You're like, that was good, but that was just a phase. No, your life can grow brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. You can finish strong. You don't have to live on on revelation or revival of 20 years ago. You can have revival now. You can have experience with God now. You can have fresh manna now. It doesn't have to be a phase. It doesn't have to be a season. The season is now. The phase is now for us to have everything of God that we want. And what I've discovered that it didn't matter whether we were in that the church in Garris or the one in Walfish Bay or we were in the house church in in Uppington, it didn't matter whether we were in the big, big church in Ramah. It didn't matter whether it was big or small, English or Afrikaans, organ or electric guitar. None of those things mattered as much as my being willing to be present to God. To say to God, God, if you want to move, move through me. If you want to do something in my family, do it through me. And, and I'm blessed and privileged to have grown up in a home where my parents love Jesus, right? And so a lot that I'm going to share with you tonight comes from the legacy that I've received. But I just want to encourage you, if, if you can have the picture up of my, my mom and dad, they're on there with my, yeah, so many of you guys know them. Um, so my dad is 78 now, my mom's 76. They've been married now for 53 years. That's uh, our eldest, Annika. I think she was, what, 13 there. She's 16 now. Kate Rose, she's 12. And uh, little Nathan, which is Gunther's son, he's, he's turning five now, one of these, one of these days. All right? and, and that is such a blessing. I'm so thankful for that reality. That all of us serve Jesus in ministry. We love him. But I also know that that is not all of our reality in this room. I also know that not all of you have received the legacy I've received and Amu has received. And you know what? God says to us, people like Amo and myself and many of you here who have grown up in godly families, that to whom much has been given, much will be required. We will be held to a higher standard. God will, will ask of us some tough questions. What did you do with what you have received? That is the reality. And so we can never become complacent and just relax in my father's legacy. I have to build my own. I have to push in for God. I've got to stand and trust God for myself. 
But many of you might be in situations where my dad was in. My dad didn't grow up in a godly family. He didn't grow up in a home where there was peace. He grew up in an alcoholic home. He grew up in a home where there was a lot of sexual pain and a lot of sexual brokenness. My dad was raped when he was 13 years old. He grew up in a lot of bondage and a lot of pain. And yet, he put up his hand to say to God, God, if you want to break cycles, break it through me. God, if you want to do something new, do it through me. God, if you're looking for someone to say yes to your call and your purpose, here I am. And I'm the result of the decisions he made, the yes that he said. And so I want to encourage you, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey with God. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey with your parents, your grandparents. Maybe you know your folks. Maybe you don't know them. Maybe you've got a great relationship with them. Church at home does not depend upon the legacy that you have received. Church at home, taking church home depends on whether you are dependent upon God, whether you need Him, and whether He's a God who delights in working through broken people. If you need Jesus, and if Jesus is who He says He is, then your home where you are staying is a place where church can happen. Is a place where lives can be touched and lives can be changed. And the biggest question that we have to answer ourselves is who is on the throne at home? Who's on the throne? Is it my two beautiful daughters? Are they on the throne? In other words, I give them everything they want. I say yes to everything. Every woman that they desire, I give it to them. I never challenge them. Or is God on the throne? And will God sometimes say, no, you cannot give that to them? Will God sometimes say, no, you've got to challenge them? Or am I on the throne? Heinrich, the guy who likes his space, <laughs> the guy who doesn't want to be bugged at home, the guy who, who wants to have peace and quiet at home. If, if I'm on the throne all the time, I will see no one at home. <laughs> I will not open up my home for small group. I will not open up my home for intercession to take place at our home. If I am on the throne, I'm going to get the results that I want. You know what? I don't want the results that I want. I want God's results. Whoever is on the throne will determine the results in the home. Whoever is on the throne will determine the results in the home. Can I say that again? Whoever is on the throne will determine the results in the home. So the one who needs to be on the throne is not Heinrich, it's not Nikki, it's not Kate Rose, it's not Annika. It's definitely not our cats either. It's Jesus. He needs to be on the throne. And how do I know that he's on the throne? Is I am obedient to his will. <laughs> I'm obedient to what he says in his word and what he says through his spirit. And so for some of us, I just feel that this evening, we're going to come and Luke set the stage beautifully for us. And we're just going to surrender our homes to the Lord. We're just going to say, God, I want to get off. I've got some experiences in the past that has shaped me and that has caused me to say to God, God, never. God, not this. God, not that day. God, that day is my day. God, not in that way. And simply to give God tonight just a blank canvas. And to say, Lord, however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it, will you come and do it through me? Because he deserves to be on the throne of our lives. And we sing the songs, but the rubber meets the road at home. That's where the true crux of the matter lies. And I believe that God is wanting to empower us to live a life that is consistent with what happens here on a Sunday. So just another quick question. Psalm 127 verse 4 says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gates. 
this week as I was preparing for this, for the Sunday and for the week coming, there was just a lot of stuff coming against me all of a sudden from all sorts of different places in Nikinawi to communion yesterday and just bound some things in. And I just realized that the devil wants to come and he wants to convince many of us in this room that you don't have what is necessary to fulfill God's purpose. That you need to look somewhere else for what you need to cause havoc in the kingdom of darkness. And for those of us who are parents, for those of us who have siblings, I want you to understand that you've got some powerful weapons at home. Those weapons are weapons of mass destruction. The Bible says that they are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. They're not just little twigs. They're not just little things lying around that need to be occupied and need to be sent to school and need to be given a nice education. They are weapons in God's hands. They have been created by God to cause chaos in the kingdom of darkness. And many of you in this room, you are those arrows. <laughs> you are those arrows. You are those weapons that God has chosen to change this world, to change this community. But it will require of you to look at yourself differently, to, to rewire your perspective of who you are. You are an arrow in the hand of God. And maybe you don't have a dad that is, or a mom that is at home and that is really speaking life over you, but you've got a heavenly father. And he says to you, you are an arrow in my hand. And I want to release you and I want to shoot you forth into your purpose and into your destiny. This generation has to go further than what our generation possibly could. This generation has to achieve more, has to, has to believe for more than what we could. Right? And I'm here to say to you that we believe in you. We believe in what God is doing in your life. You are going to be the world changers that God has called you to be. You are. Because God has placed too much in you that it is not going to change the world. But shift your perspective. Don't allow YouTube and TikTok and social media to shape your perspective of who you are. Allow the Word to shape your perspective. Allow God's Word. Do Bible school. Meditate upon the Word. Read the Word. Speak the Word. Sing the Word. Confess the Word over each other. Don't wait for somebody else to do it for you. You've got to take the Bible. If you have a phone, you've got no excuse. You can get the version Bible app and all sorts of different Bibles on that thing. I'll always say to myself, my phone is a Bible with a phone. It's not a phone with a Bible. It's a Bible with a phone. <laughs> okay, it changes my perspective on how I, I look at it. Use it. The devil is afraid of you submitted to the Word of God. He's so scared that there are going to be two or three or five or ten people in this room who are going to say, enough is enough. I'm not going to allow the devil to run over me or my family. I'm going to be what God says I am. And you are never too old and you are never too young to start doing that. Last week, Kate Rose, she wrote me a little note, Psalm 32 verse 8. It says, do not be like the horse or the mule that has to be harnessed by bit and bridle. Otherwise, it will not come near you. But I want to guide you with my eye. Right? She's, she's 12 years old. That word dropped in, into my spirit. And I knew God was speaking to me. That she has developed the capacity. And she wouldn't be able to articulate it. And she wouldn't be able to tell you how it's happening. But she's spending time in God's word. And she knew the right moment to write something for me. And it shaped and changed my week. There were some things I was busy wrestling through. And I knew God was saying to me, stop resisting me. <laughs> Don't be like a horse or meal wanting to go your own way. I'm thankful to God for a 12-year-old that is learning how to use the Word of God. I'm thankful there's, there's, there's someone there that understands that she's a wrecking ball. 
that God has wired her to upset the status quo. That is the same for each one of you in this room. So I want to challenge us. What is the fruit that you are having at home? Not just the fruit when you're on the stage or the fruit when we are here, but the fruit at home. Is it fresh? Is it krak fars? Is it worthy of, of export? Uh, Psalm 141 verse 3 says that, or David is praying the psalm, is, the spread says, God set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 18 verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life in the power of the tongue. James says that it's amazing that almost every beast on the face of this earth has been tamed by man. But who can tame the tongue? We put people on the moon and Elon Musk is working on putting people on Mars. And, but who can tame the tongue? And God wants to, wants to be a gatekeeper over our tongues. And he wants, to, he wants to, on the one hand, just help us to be resistant to just speaking death, speaking negativity, just agreeing with whatever, whatever somebody else is saying. Whenever we send our kids off to school and to a party and so forth, we say to them, you are children of God and yes, a Titus. Ons gossip me. We don't gossip. We don't agree with what anybody else is saying over, over somebody else. We don't badmouth the headmaster. We don't badmouth the teachers because we are children of God and we are the Titus family. This is what we stand upon. We speak life. If you cannot speak life, you shut up. Lord, put a God over my mouth. Put a God over my mouth. May the songs that we sing, sometimes, you know, we nullify the wonderful, powerful songs we sing here through the death that we speak, the negativity that we speak at home. Right? And so God wants to, I believe, pour out His Spirit upon us tonight even. So I want you to release life. Release life over your worst enemy and upset the devil. <laughs> the guy that's coming at you to, to cause havoc, the we keep on making jokes of our mothers-in-law. Hey, let's not do that. I've got an awesome mother-in-law. But sometimes you've got somebody in your family that really irritates you. It happens. Our families are not perfect. Speak life over them. And I trust the Lord to write an email or a WhatsApp to them and just speak life over them. Take that little step. Speak life over the taxi that cuts you off. <laughs> speak life over those who would want to come in break you down. Speak life. And you can't do that in the flesh. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit of resurrection, the same Spirit that enabled Jesus to say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do, lives in you. You do not have to talk like everybody else. You can have fresh fruit. And that fresh fruit can manifest at home. It's probably the place that we are the most vulnerable. Our defenses are down. Speak life over those closest to you. Genesis 35 is the 16 or 21. We're going to pray for many of you tonight just for the spirit of prophecy to, to pervade your, and invade your, your life. And Jacob is traveling with his wife, Rachel. Many of you know the story of how he had worked first seven years and he thought he was working for Rachel. Then he got Leah and another seven years for Rachel. So he worked for 14 years she was the love of his life. And they're busy traveling. And as they're traveling, she's busy giving birth to a son. And the Bible says that as she began to give birth, she had difficulty and suffered severely. 
shared difficulty, and suffered severely. Many of us in this room, we can identify with that sentence. Maybe not the giving birth. I know many of you as moms, you've been through tough times. But all of us know one level or another when things are going tough, it's great difficulty and you're suffering. And then the challenge is in that moment when things are going tough to maybe allow words to come out of our mouths like it came out of Rachel's mouth here. The midwife says to her, do not be afraid. You now have another son. Rachel, don't be afraid. There's a blessing that is coming. Joseph was a firstborn. Rachel, you've got another son. It's what you have been hoping for. It's what you have been dreaming for. The, the reality of your prayers are coming to pass right now. But she's in so much pain, she cannot see the blessing. And she allows her hurt and her physical pain to speak. And she says, your name will be Benoni. <laughs> Benoni. Ben means son, son of my suffering. Can you imagine that? That for the rest of his life, he had to live with the reality that every time somebody spoke his name, son of suffering, you are the reason your mom is dead. You are the reason why your family fell apart. You are the reason why the business went bankrupt. You are the reason why your family is never getting anywhere. You are the reason for this, 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 and this. But thank God that God is in the business of turning curses into blessings. He's in the business of intervening. He's in the business of stepping into broken lives and turning things around. But he needs someone to be the vehicle for that. And in that moment, when his wife with her last breath speaks a, what is nothing less than a curse over the identity of their son, Jacob chooses not to cooperate with that. Jacob chooses to see something else. The woman of his dreams is busy dying and his heart is broken, but he taps into something else. He taps into the power of the blessing and he looks at this boy that has just been born and he must have with tears streaming down his eyes because this could not have been easy. On the one hand, he's holding his baby boy. On the other hand, his wife is passing into the afterlife. And he says, no, you will be called Benjamin, son of my strength. What an awesome reversal. What an awesome example of the prophetic. And it is sometimes easy to stand up here and say, I see this and I see that. My brother, Tokyo shirt. <laughs> As I was worshiping, I felt the Lord is saying, he has called you to break down walls. I saw sort of this, almost like a prison of brick mortar built around you. And the Lord says that the calling that's upon your life cannot be contained. Do not allow the words of people and the experiences of your past to contain what God wants to do in your life. There's about to become breakthrough is about to happen, but that breakthrough lies in your voice. You got to speak it. You have to declare it. I just sort of had this picture of you stretching your arms. And the Lord says, as wide as you are prepared to stretch your arms will determine the amount of the blessing God is wanting to give you. Right, don't settle for this. Don't settle for this. Don't settle for that. Live with arms wide open. And there's something God has placed inside of you that is going to cause a lot of healing, especially in friendships, in male friendships. And God is going to use you to bring many to Christ who have given up on themselves. And then just um, my sister looking at me with a white, white pants. I feel the Lord is saying that, um, just wave at me if you know what I'm talking to. Yes, yep, 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 over there. Yes, yes, you. Yeah. I just feel the Lord is saying that it's not the end and that there's still so much that God is going to do 
um, through your life. There's so much beauty. I sort of saw these like three, four different paintings that the Lord has, has for you to paint. And um, like different revelations that the Lord is going to give you of things that he has in store for you. And he says, um, don't worry too much about the paint and about the, the brushes and just, just step up to the canvas. Just step up to the canvas and the Lord is going to bring the revelation as you step, as you step up. And he says, don't be afraid of the mess either. He has the ability to bring something beautiful out of the, out of the mess. And, he's, and he's, he's anointed your eyes to, to see beauty where others, where others see chaos. And, and, but there's something the Lord wants to restore in your sight. And I feel just give your eyes to the, to the Lord. Amen. Um, now, the Holy Spirit interrupted me and I don't know where I was. <laughs> Benoni, being Benjamin. Right, there's some of you here, you've got to say, I refuse to be Benoni anymore. I refuse to take the blame for things that have happened outside of my control. I refuse to be held prisoner by what other people have done. My past will not be my future. What God says will be my future. But you, only you can do that. You've got to take up the sword of God's word and speak it over yourself. And I believe that God has called us, all of us in this room, to live according to another standard. That's all that I'm here to do tonight. I just want to provoke you. I want to, I want to challenge you. Do not settle for a mediocre life. Do not settle for just a life that is normal, a life that is just with small dreams and just settling for the nice family and the nice job. God has got so much more in store for you. Right, there's life that he has for that he has planned for you. And, and, and Samson reminds me of this, and I'm not going to read the whole story. And, um, but Samson had a call upon his life, and he fell in love with a woman that represents the system of this world and the spirit of this world. And, and she was after his strength. She was after his anointing. She was after that thing that, that made him different. And eventually she nags him so much. So ladies, be aware of your nagging. Right, it is, it is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. Use it to encourage. Right? It says there that he was, she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, and his soul was vexed to death. Some translations said he wanted to die because of this woman that just kept on keeping on. God has given women the ability to shape things through their words. Right? And so I want to encourage you prophetesses in the house, stand up. Stand up and speak life. Stand up and encourage. Stand up and lift up. Because God, some of you even, you need to break with stuff that you have inherited for grand, from grandmothers and from, from your ancestors. Where you're just nagging and just complaining all the time. God wants to use you to give birth to life. He wants to use your spiritual womb to bring forth life. All right? Walk in that. And so Samson comes and he tells her his, his secret. He says, if, if my hair gets cut, if a razor comes upon my head, then I will lose my strength and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And that is what the devil is after. He wants us to be weak. He wants to rob us of our intimacy with God. He wants to get us to a place where we're just like everybody else. We do our sports the way everybody else do their sports. We, we do our business the way everybody else do their business. We run our families the way that they do. And God is like, no. Now I have life and life in abundance for you. Tap into that. We experienced this with, uh, with our elders who had to make some very tough decisions and choices regarding, she, she has been created for the stage. 
And she, she, she shines whenever she's in front of people. She's so anointed. She does announcements at church and people give her applause. She's that, she's that anointed. She's been created to stand in front of thousands of people. But, but she has been challenged the last two years to, to decide who is she going to live for. Is she going to live for the applause of people or is she going to live for the applause of God? She's a brilliant actress and she was part of this incredible school production that won one award after the, after the other. But when we went to watch that production, we realized that there were a lot of things in that production that was not up to the standard that God expects of a child of God. There were curse words in there. There were sexual below the belt jokes. There were things being portrayed on the stage. And thank God she wasn't part of those scenes, but she was part of the production and she was being exposed to that. And we saw the impact of that upon her spirit. We saw the way she was beginning to dress. We saw the way she was beginning to uh, react towards her little sister. And so we had to challenge her. And we had to say to her, Annika, God has got a higher standard for you. You cannot just go with everybody else. And she's like, but I'm part of this production. We're winning these awards. And it's just one final round. And we're going to win at the Baxter. And we're like, you have to decide. We can't make the choice for you. But you have to decide whether this is the way that you want to start off your career in entertainment. By submitting to a different spirit. What are people going to say? What's the producer going to say? And we engage with the producer and we ask him, can you just take out some of those F words? It's a high school play. Surely you don't have to have F words in a high school play, but he wasn't open to that. And, and I remember being in the UK on the phone with Annika and she's crying and she said, Dad, Mr. So-and-so told us today that he's heard some parents are unhappy. The final is two days from that moment. And he's giving us the choice to continue or to step away. And I've decided to step away. And she's saying this to me with tears. And I'm sitting on the other side. My heart is breaking for her because I know how much she has put into that. I know how she has lived for that. And my heart breaks for her. And we're like, Jesus, isn't there another way? And God takes me to this and says, there's a higher standard. I've called her for so much more than just a school production. But now it feels like her entire life is falling apart. But Heinrich, you have to call her higher for the sake of her calling. Because what is resting upon her is so powerful that if she doesn't have her heart circumcised and if she doesn't know that it is worth sacrificing to please the king, that her destiny and purpose can be sabotaged. And I'm standing amazed at the woman she has become through that pain. 